we're going to continue journey through Genesis tonight, and we're in Genesis 26 and Genesis 27. This is part 24, so I want to say a prayer as we get into it. Father, thank you so much for your word, for your goodness, for your kindness. I pray, God, that you would just speak to our hearts tonight. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. God bless you. Let me start with verse 12 of Genesis 26. Wow, I'm a little out of practice on this, you know. It's been a, been a minute. It's good to see Brother Boyovich here tonight also from Mississippi. Yeah, great to see you. We love your family. Oh, my goodness. I'm so sorry they're over here and they're not with you. But we, we love them. We're glad they're here. Uh, verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous, for he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now, let's stop there. Isaac inherited a lot from Abraham. Abraham was very rich, and Isaac inherited so much. He was very rich. He was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Yet, we see him here working, sowing, working in the harvest field, and God multiplying his blessings. And from this, it's interesting to me, I don't want to sit idle. I don't want to be satisfied just setting on the blessings that I currently have or just be content with where I am. Rather, I want to be able to live my wife, uh, life, live my wife, I want to live my wife, I want to live my life in such a way that I can be a blessing to others. Like, I don't want to be covetous or greedy. The Bible does say godliness with contentment is great gain, but I want to be a blessing to others. Wouldn't you want to be a blessing to somebody else, not just have enough for yourself, but have enough to bless others? And when you're blessed, there's always going to be somebody who's bothered by your blessings. There's going to be somebody who becomes jealous. Let's get, let's get on that for a minute here. You know, you can be struggling and struggling and struggling, and everybody's fine with that. But you start getting elevation, promotion, and it, it stirs up some people. They become jealous. They become covetous of the blessing of God that's taking place in your life. And sometimes they misjudge you. They just think it all fell into your lap. And they don't see the hard work. They don't see the sowing. They don't see, all they see is the harvest. They don't know the years that went into it. And so sometimes people can just become, they just become jealous. I've seen this <clears throat> even in church planting. It's sad to say, and it's not a very prevalent, but I have seen some of it. When Life Point was this little weird church with a bunch of wild boys and a little hippie pastor and his weird family that played instruments and stuff in a living room, there were some people where they would just kind of pat us on the head, patronize us, like, y'all go at it. Man, that's so cool. That pastor and his family digging a church out down there, wink, wink, nod, nod, you know. And then as the blessing of the Lord became obvious, and the next thing you know, we had grown and grown and grown, and then, for goodness sake, you know, the Lord blessed us, bought some prime real estate, 
I don't want to overstate it, but I'm just saying when, when you're blessed, there are some people that are going to have a problem with that. They're going to look at you differently. Like, are you kidding me? Who do you think you are? You don't understand. We've been working at this for a long time. We've been trusting the Lord for a long time. We were content with where we were, and God brought about this. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from the Lord. Amen? Promotion comes from the Lord. And when the Lord wants to promote you, let him. It's for his purposes. It's for his good. And it's good to question yourself and check your motives. But on the other hand, don't refuse the blessing of the Lord. Let God bless you. Let God bless you. Now, verse 15, notice this. Now, the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they had filled them with earth. So not only do we have some people who are jealous, we have some people working against Isaac and the blessing that's come on his life. When you're living a blessed life, there are some people who are going to try to bring you back down, tear you down, hold you back. But when you're blessed, my God knows how to make even your enemies to be at peace with you. Proverbs 16, 7 says it, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And one of the greatest ways that we can guard ourselves from jealousy, the way we can guard ourselves from becoming jealous, is to rejoice with others when God blesses them. And not say, why did they get the promotion? Why did they get the raise if the boss only knew what I knew about them? You know, why did they get uh, the financial windfall? Why did they get all of that? They, they don't deserve it. Well, here's the deal. Don't adopt that kind of attitude. You turn around and say, I, thank God that he blessed you. Thank God. Rejoice with him when God blesses him. Does that make sense? That's not the easiest thing to do sometimes, especially when you know people and they get blessed and you do know things about them. Rejoice with them anyway. None of us deserve anything from the Lord. And one of the greatest things you can do to protect your own heart is rejoice when God blesses somebody. Amen. That when you're still waiting on your blessing. Where's my healing? How come they got healed? I've been waiting on this for a long. Where's my financial blessing? I've been sowing and and tithing for years. I've been waiting and I've had setback after setback after setback. And then they just walk in the door and look what happens to them. Rejoice with them. Don't let a root of bitterness spring up because of the blessing of the Lord on somebody else. You just keep working, sowing, reaping, because God knows how to get the hundredfold return to you in his timing. And when you're blessed, there may be some that can't even hang out with you. Now, we see this in verse 16. And Abimelech said to Isaac, go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Isn't that funny? Can't hang with you anymore. Verses 17 through 23. Then Isaac departed from there and pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar and dwelt there. And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Now, wells were difficult to dig. They were very expensive. It was a big deal to destroy someone else's well, the Philistines really, really couldn't stand the blessings of God that were on Isaac's life. And these wells were family wells. I want to talk to you about this for a minute. 
They were dug in the days of Abraham. And they had served Abraham's family for many years. Guzik points out, Isaac went back to the same resources that had sustained his father. They were nomads, Abraham and his people. And water was life. There were some seasons when human and animal life could not be sustained without water from these wells. They were not a luxury. They were a necessity. There's a powerful illustration here in the spiritual realm. The spiritual resources that sustain previous generations are the same ones that will sustain us and our families. But we have to seek them out with the same faith and tenacity, work and commitment as those previous generations did. Can you hear me? You hear what I'm saying? As a matter of fact, there are some reasons... Uh, some seasons where those resources become the only things that will sustain us. Now, I could list a ton of them. Let me give you a few. Prayer. We have our first prayer meeting of the year coming up this Monday night. Prayer is one of those wells. Fasting. Man, we got a lot of that coming up. Intercession intercessory prayer, getting in the word. We've got a game plan for that this year as well as a church. But like Alexander said, you got to find a place where you learn how to pray. You learn how to intercede. You learn how to fast. You learn how to get in the word on your own. Wells of sacrifice and humility, integrity, living a holy life. Separated unto God, worshiping God, raising your kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord. This is one I mentioned Sunday, praying in the spirit, praying in other tongues, feeling after the spirit. There's an old school term, feeling after the spirit, waiting on the Lord. Anybody ever heard that? Waiting on the Lord, feeling after the Lord. Flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. Praying until you pray through. There's a well. Praying until you pray. Not just going through the rote and ritual of saying some words. Some of you come from a Roman Catholic background. I worked in the Episcopal Church for many years. And we would recite prayers. And I'm not against reciting prayers. As a matter of fact, we've got something to help you pray some prayers. But it's not in reciting Prayers where the power is. Sometimes, listen, a recitation is not what you need. A recitation is not going to bring life to you. What you need is you need some prayer from the heart from down here. And you need some spiritual help from on high to pray those prayers that need to be prayed. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Maybe you've never gone there. I want to encourage you. Try it. When I was just coming into the church and just trying to get my feet wet in spiritual things. Y'all have no idea where I came from, but I was way out. And when I came in, I experimented a lot, Drew. I experimented in my prayer life. It was experimental prayer, not experiential prayer, experimental prayer. I experimented. And, and what I was doing was I knew I needed more than just reciting some words. I needed the Spirit of God to help me. I didn't know how to pray as I was. I wasn't wise enough 
to know how to pray as I should. And, and we can say, well, you need to pray the word. Well, sometimes you open up the word, you know, like let me just give an example. The city that goes out by a thousand shall have a hundred left. The city that goes out by a thousand shall have a hundred left. What does it even mean, Lord? I don't even know what it means. That's not what you need when you pray the word. Sometimes you don't even know the Bible. Let's get down where we live. Can I get down where we live? <laughs> Let me get down here where we live. Where we live is we don't even know scriptures that pertain to the situation. We can Google it, try to find it, but we don't even know how to discern the right thing to pray. But I'm telling you what, you have a helper on the inside of you, the Holy Ghost, that knows how to help us pray. That's an old well that generations in the past drank from. And by God, Lord willing and the creek don't rise, this church is going to be built on the stuff like that, right? Where we dig deep and we say, Lord, I don't know. And when I was experimenting, I would just literally experiment and just say, God, I don't know what I need to pray about, you know, how I need to pray for this situation. But I'm just going to ask you to help me pray. And I would pray until I started speaking in tongues and I'd feel the presence of God. And I would just push and push. Listen, until that lifted and I felt released and I felt the victory, the old timers would say, I felt the victory. And, and what, what was happening in, in, in the spirit realm, I can't tell you exactly, but I do know my life was sustained and 30 years later, I'm still here today because the Spirit of God helped me through those seasons. That's the kind of wells that we need to redig at LifePoint. Wells that sustain previous generations praying through. Uh, what about witnessing and loving on some people? What happened to that? You know, we became so program-based. Oh, my goodness, I just... Uh, now I feel this like church planting rambling spirit coming on me, but we're so program based. Right? We're going to have these events. You know, we're going to have pastor in a Duncan booth. I know y'all love that. We're going to have pastor in a Duncan booth. We're going to have pony rides. We're going to have a petting zoo. We're going to have this event and, and get some people to come to church. We need to be loving on people every day of the week. This church is all about Jesus, people, and mission. And it's not about just doing our, what we volunteer to do at LifePoint. It's about loving people when we're on duty here or when we're out, out on the job or in Walmart or driving down the road. We need to love on some people, witnessing. That's an old well that we need to revisit. Loving on people. Uh, Jeremiah 6.16, uh, great prophetic scripture. Stand and ask and seek the old paths. Old paths. Just old wells. Isaac was redigging wells. These things I just mentioned, they're not just going to happen. You got to dig. The enemy wants to plug them up, stop them up, make us think we're too cool for that. We got to dig it up. We got to dig up with some humility, some humbling ourselves before the Lord and seeking His face because that's the stuff that sustains. Amen? That's powerful stuff. 
That's just very, very powerful stuff. Uh, God help us. Father, help us to be a church that's very spiritual. Help us to be a church that follows the flow and the, the leading of the Spirit. I'm going to pray for a minute, y'all. Father, I just pray that you would help us to be sensitive to you, and patient, willing to wait on you, God, because that's where our lost children coming home is found. That's where our miracles are found. Father, that commitment to waiting on you and partnering with you, that's where our sustenance is found, Lord. That's where our deliverance is found. That's where addictions are broken. That's how this church is going to grow. Except the Lord build the house they labor in vain that build it. Father, we want to cooperate with you. Let us be willing vessels to flow with you in prayer and intercession and fasting. Starting this year outright, God. Not leaning on the arm of the flesh, but leaning fully and completely on you. I pray, God, that you would make this church what it ought to be, God. A church that is a light standing on a hill, Lord, that cannot be hid. That is a lighthouse reaching out and drawing people to you, God. I pray that you would have your way in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Now, verse 19, also Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well of running water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen, saying, the water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek because they quarreled with him. Then they dug another well, and they quarreled over that one also. So he called its name Sitna. And he moved from there and dug another well, and they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, For now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Then he went up from there to Beersheba. Now, in the process of redigging Abraham's old wells, Isaac found new wells, wells that Abraham didn't find, including this one with running water like an artesian well. So here's the deal. You and I can reach this world in a relevant way even, um, well, let me put it like this. We have to be grounded in vintage truths to really reach this world, but we can still reach it in a relevant way. Here's my point. What good does it have? What good does it do if we have a crowd of a thousand people, but we're preaching something to them that doesn't match the vintage first church truth, the same message? If we're preaching a message that's different than the first church preached and we got a thousand people, it doesn't matter. Because we've got to match that vintage truth. So we can redig those wells and have that vintage truth. But I believe God will give us revelation on how to reach this modern world. Social media, internet, digital Bible studies, technology, etc. This is a different world than my grandmother's world. She's 96 years old. They passed her forever in Waldo, Arkansas and different places. It's a different world. Same truth. But you gotta, you got to change your methods. you got to change your approach. Still going to love people, but God can show us ways to do what he's called us to do. We're still going to preach the message, the faith that was once delivered to the saints, but we can do it in a relevant way. Now, others were jealous of Isaac's success. 
He named the first well contention. That's what it means. The second one, opposition. There was contention. There was opposition. Ain't nothing ever easy when it comes to taking new territory and doing things for God. You're always going to have opposition. Always. Just embrace that. If you're not facing contention or opposition, you're probably not a threat to the devil. You ought to question yourself. And what is what I'm doing even worth doing? Isaac, though, kept moving, and he called the next well his third roominess. Roominess. Beersheba. Because it was uh, far out enough <coughs> to not uh, far out enough to not be uh, a Rehoboth. Far out enough to not be uh, a problem. To not be a problem. So, look at verses 24 and 25. Isn't this exciting? Are you kidding me? I'm like, I got the jitters. I'm so excited up here. Verses 24 and 25. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the Lord of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. So he built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord, and he pitched his tent there, and there Isaac's servants dug a well. Again, notice, this is interesting. Isaac built an altar. Don't rush over that. Built an altar and called on the name of the Lord. Where did he get that? He got that from Abraham. This is something that goes back to the Garden of Eden. This is not new to him. It was rediscovered by Abraham, and it was passed down to Isaac. We saw Abraham built and build an altar on the mountain and try to offer up Isaac as the sacrifice. This boy knows what it means to build an altar and call on the name of the Lord and look for that promised deliverer. This is him looking ahead to the cross. Very powerful. In other words, he is a man who understands the power of the covenant. Look at verses 26 through 31. Abimelech came to him from Gerar and Ahuzah, one of his friends, and Phicol, the commander of his army. And Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? They said, We have certainly seen the Lord is with you. So we said, Let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you and since we have done nothing to you but good and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. So he made them a feast and they ate and drank. Then they arose early in the morning and swore an oath with one another and Isaac sent them away and they departed from him in peace. There becomes a point where blessing on your life becomes so obvious that these enemies of him, these ones that had sent him away, they said, we want to connect with you because we want what's on you to get on us. So they had sent him away, but the blessing became so obvious. They said, we want, we want you on our side. So they sought him out to make a treaty with them. Verses 32 through 35, it came to pass the same day that Isaac's servants came and told him about the well which they had dug and said to him, we have found water. So he called it Sheba, therefore the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. When Esau was 40 years old, he took his wife Judith, the daughter of Beri the Hittite, and Basemeth, the daughter of Elon the Hittite. And we almost named Lizzie Basemeth, but we didn't. 
And they were a grief of mind to Isaac and Rebekah. So when Esau was 40 years old, he snags him a couple of wives, but they were not from God-fearing families. And this grieved Isaac and Rebekah. I think I would be remiss if I did not say this. Be careful when you encourage someone to date and marry outside of the faith. That is a massive mistake. I don't understand parents who don't care enough about their kids to steer them in the direction of dating if they date within the church. People say, well, there's just nobody available. Who cares? God will send somebody. Better off to be single than to marry someone and be unequally yoked with them. And, and that's the Bible itself. I mean, that's not my opinion. That's scriptural. And as we already saw, Esau did not care about the covenant. We're going to see it in great detail here in a moment. He did not care about the covenant, which was all about the seed of the woman coming into the earth, which was all about the family of Abraham. It was all about the faith. Abraham is the father of the who? The faithful. And so when he chooses to marry outside of the faith, it shows he didn't care about the covenant. His choice for a mate proved he didn't care about the covenant. Let's look at chapter 27, verses 1 through 4. Now it came to pass when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see that he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, and he's older only by minutes, my son, and he answered him, Here I am. This is the older son, Esau. My son, here I am. Now, his eyes were dim, meaning couldn't see very well. He was like my dog, Opie. And then he said, Behold now, I am old. I do not know the day of my death. Now, therefore, please take your weapons, your quiver, your bow. Go to the field and hunt game for me. Doesn't that sound like a fantastic request if you're a hunter? Here's your compound bow. Here's your arrows. Got those big old bear tips on the end of them. Now, I need you to put some camo on. Get out there, son, and get me some deer. I want some venison. That's what he's saying to him. And make me savory food, such as I love. I want you to fry up some of that deer meat, man. Oh, my goodness. Bring it to me so that I may eat, that my soul may bless you before I die. Think about it. Last request. He's on his deathbed. What do you want, Dad? Near meat. He's going to eat it, bless him, curl up, give up the ghost, and die. Now I can go to heaven. So Isaac is ready to bestow, check this out, the patriarchal blessing on his eldest son Esau. Now Esau had traded his birthright years before for a pot of porridge to Jacob. Remember when he had gone out hunting and he came back, he was tired, and Jacob had made this porridge, and he, he's like, man, I sure would like to have a little bit of that. And he said, I, I'll sell it to you if you'll give me the rights of the firstborn, that double portion stuff. I want that. And Esau said, yeah, no big deal. I don't care about the old man and that Abrahamic blessing stuff. 
you just go ahead. You can have it. Give me that porridge. But when it came time, literally, for the father to pour out blessings, Esau wanted the blessing that belonged to the bearer of the right of the firstborn. Now, he didn't care about having a relationship with the family, the covenant of the family, the father, which would all go back to that seed of the woman idea. But he wanted the provision and the protection that came along with being in that covenant. I want that blessing, but I don't want the relationship. Wow. He wanted angels. He wanted gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But he didn't want to be the one that said, Be it unto me according to thy will, to thy word. He wanted 10,000 angels protecting him that if he dashed his foot against a stone, they would bear him up. He wanted a 1,000 will fall at my side and 10,000 at my right hand, but it won't come nigh me. He wanted that kind of stuff, but he didn't want the nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He wanted the blessing only. He was that kind of guy. I don't want to have a church. I don't want to be a man who is a blessing-only kind of guy, where there's no relationship with the Father or concern about the will of the Father. If we don't, need the, if we don't heed the correction of our Heavenly Father, then it's as if we don't have a Father. Are you with me? <clears throat> In other words, when the Spirit of God is trying to lead us and we refuse and rebel, then it's as if we don't have a Heavenly Father. Hebrews 12, look at this, Hebrews 12 Verse number five. And have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? Hebrews 12 is interesting because it's got what I'm about to talk about. And then it goes into some stuff about Esau himself. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him for whom the Lord loves. He chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. That's a quote from Proverbs 3. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? I tell you what, I got two sons. Both of them I have chastened. Now, it's kind of gotten to where when I go to chasten them, they kind of chasten me back. But that's a different story. Verse 8, but if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of the spirits and live? For they indeed for a few few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he for our profit that we may be partakers of his holiness. That's a covenant word. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. For all of Isaac's qualities, he was not a great father to Esau. He let Esau get away with a lot. And Esau was certainly not a great son. Lying, cheating, a lack of discipline. But our Heavenly Father is a good, good, good 
father. And it's up to us as sons and daughters to receive his rebuke and his correction from his word, from the leading of his spirit. Amen? And if we do so, there's blessings in store for us. Look at verses uh, 5 through 10. Now, Rebekah was listening when Isaac spoke to Esau, his son. Esau went to the field to hunt game and to bring it. So Rebekah spoke to Jacob, her son, saying, Indeed, I heard your father speak to Esau, your brother, saying, Bring me game, make me savory food. Now look at verse 8. Therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. Go to the flock, bring me now here two choice kids of the goats. I'll make savory food from them for your father such as he loves. Then you shall take it to your father that he may eat it and that he may bless you before his death. Now remember, Esau was Isaac's favorite. Jacob was Rebekah's favorite. And here it is on display for all the world to see. And I don't know how Isaac's going to get this, but she's somehow going to make goat taste like deer. I've never, you know, like... Asked Valerie, hey, I went and picked up some goat at the market. Would you fry up this goat for the holidays? And I don't want deer this year. Let's do goat. So here she is saying, we'll, we'll get some goats here, you know, and maybe it's the lamb. I don't know, but it just he said kids here. I'm just thinking. She's getting some goat and going to substitute it for deer. Verse 11, and Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, look, Esau, my brother is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth-skinned man. I think that's hilarious. Perhaps my father will feel me and I shall seem to be a deceiver to him, because I am. And I shall bring a curse on myself and not a blessing. His mother said, let your curse be on me, my son. You obey me. Get out there. Get them for me. So this is a conspiracy to deceive this old man. Rebecca and Jacob are in cahoots. And you know the story. So he goes in. Verses 14 through 38, he goes in and he deceives his father. He puts on fake hair. Now, I don't know if he glued it on. I don't know if he put mud on, stuck hair. I don't know. Like, I, don't, I don't get that. But somehow he put hair on his arms and on his neck and all. Gets himself hairy and he smells probably awful. Like you would think Esau would smell just coming in from a hunt and doing all this big cooking thing. And, and he comes to the blind old man with the, the food, the, the goats that his mom has cooked up. And he's like, here I am, Dad. I got the food. Come here. You don't sound like Esau. You sound like Jacob. Let me, come here. Let me, let me feel you. That's exactly how Opie is, you know. He's, he's like, you're not, you're not Valerie. Where's Valerie? And, and so he's like, He's like, come here, get close. And he feels him, and he smells him. And he said, your voice sounds like Jacob, but you feel like Esau. You smell like Esau. And I like this food you fixed up for me. Let me bless you. And so he takes the blessing that belongs to the firstborn. Now, this is providential. Somehow God knew this was going to happen. God is somehow working through all this deception and all this craziness going on. And he gets the blessing on the right guy because this had been prophesied years before. The elder will serve the younger. The younger will be greater 
than the older. This is going against protocol, but the Lord had foreseen it. And so here Jacob is lying like a rug, deceiving his father, who's old. Esau's out in the field hunting, trying to get him some deer. And here is Jacob, and he's just smoozing, and, and old Isaac lays hands on him, and he begins to prophetically put that blessing on him. God will protect you. Your enemies are God's enemies. Your friends are God's friends. The plans and purposes of God will be promoted and preserved, and you will be protected because of that by Almighty God Himself. He will get His will done through you. And if anybody tries to stop you, God will wipe them out on your behalf. Not because Jacob was so good, but because now he's a carrier of the promises. And so the right of the firstborn and the blessing of the firstborn is now on Jacob. It's an incredible story. The Abrahamic blessing is now on him. Verses 30 through 38, I'm not going to read it. Old uh, Isaac answers, look, look at verse number uh, 34. When Esau hurt, her, well, let's look at verse 30. Stand with me right now. It happened as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Jacob. Jacob had scarcely gone out of the presence of Isaac, his father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. He had made some savory fruit, so he's killed a deer. He brings in the food, brings it to his father. He said, let me arise and eat of uh, his son's game and your soul, that your soul, let my father rise and eat of his son's game, that your soul may bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, who are you? He said, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. Then Isaac trembled exceedingly. I said, who? Where's the one who hunted game and brought it to me? I ate all of it before you came, and I have blessed him. And indeed, he shall be blessed. When Esau heard the words of his father, he cried with an exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, bless me. Bless me also, my father. But he said, your brother came with deceit and has taken away your blessing. And Esau said, is he not rightly named Jacob? That name meant something his whole life. Heel grabber, supplanter, liar. For he has supplanted me these two times. He took away my birthright. And now look, he's taken away my blessing. And he said, have you not reserved a blessing for me? Isaac. Isaac answered and said, Yes, indeed, I've made him your master and all his brethren. I have given to him as servants with grain and wine. I have sustained him. What shall I do now for you, my son? And Esau said to his father, Have you only one blessing, my father? Bless me also, O my father. And Esau lifted up his voice and wept. Hebrews chapter 12, we've already looked there. But it says, Pursue peace with all people. Verse 15, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, cause trouble. For this many become defiled, lest there be any 
fornicator, a profane person like Esau. This is in the New Testament now. He's saying, lest anyone be a fornicator, profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Esau is either directly called or his spirit is compared to that of a fornicator and a profane person. In the Greek, that's pornos, obvious meaning, and babylos, meaning disrespectful of covenant matters, unholy. I'm going to tell you something, my brothers and sisters. What we are involved in with this book, with this word, with this Jesus is sacred. It's sacrosanct. It is holy. It is not to be toyed with. Because you can give away so much. Isaac downplayed the covenant so much. And, and he couldn't find his way back. That's the point. He couldn't find his way back. Listen, I want to encourage you. This covenant is so good, it's better than a, a temporary satisfying bowl of porridge. It, it, it's so much better than marrying outside the faith and living a life One, the day's going to come you'll be thanking God that you stayed with the word you stayed with the Lord you stayed true to what you knew we all have friends that wandered far and long some of them are dead and gone now some of them have never found their way back they're so jacked up in their thinking and their mind I can't do anything about them but I can do something about me I want to stay true to this man I ain't leaving. God's been better to me than I deserve. I don't deserve any of this. He's poured it out on me. And by God, it, whatever comes my way, whatever trouble comes my way, I want to surrender and humble myself and say, Lord Jesus, I don't know the answer to this, but I ain't going nowhere. I'm going to stay in the faith. If, if, the sink, if, the, if the ship sinks, I'm going down saying, blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm not leaving this faith because my God knows how to deliver the righteous had a trouble, amen. Can you give him some praise right now? Thank you, Jesus, for your kindness. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercy. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness.